This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I saw a movie preview the other day for, for a new movie that just came out. It looked pretty good. I'm actually, I'm going to check it out. Lots of, lots of high tech, lots of big business stuff going on. And then I heard them talking about Research in Motion and BlackBerry, and I went, oh yeah, Research in Motion, BlackBerry, I remember them. Um, how soon we forget, right? I mean, for a while, that Canadian outfit was, it was the bee's knees of tech. It was as big as it gets, and now, not so much. But they're, but you know what? You may be surprised to find they're not gone. They're, they're still a going concern, and, and still pretty big, too, but they're certainly not as high profile as they once were. But this movie is based on a book, a book co-authored by Globe and Mail technology reporter Sean Silkoff. And very happy that Sean has found some time to join us today. Uh, Sean, thanks for being here. I really do appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, Shane. First off, uh, congrats on the big Hollywood moment, uh, the movie in theaters. How exciting is that for you? Pretty exciting. <laughs> it's uh, it's still a bit surreal to be in the theater and see your name on the screen. And uh, I, I've I've now seen it three three and a half times. I had to leave uh, one screening halfway through, but uh, the last time I saw it, I was with a bunch of uh, family and friends, and they cheered when my name came on. And uh, you, you know, goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And it took a while. I mean, you wrote this book what ten years ago. Yeah, we, it's based on a story that ran in the Globe and Mail uh, close to 10 years ago. Uh, we signed a book deal in late 2013, did the research through 2014, and it came out uh, almost exactly eight years ago today. So, yeah, it's it's been a while. I mean, movies take a while. There was also the pandemic that uh, yeah. uh, probably stalled things for about two years. Um, in terms of uh, putting together the book, which the movie is based on, I mean, is it just because you were a tech reporter, you right place, right time? How did you sort of become one of the authors of this book that ultimately became, I guess, the story of BlackBerry? This one fell right out of the sky. Um, I was, uh, this is my first year at the Globe and Mail, and I was writing about all kinds of different things. A little bit of tech, but a little bit of everything else. And uh, one day I, I get an email from Jim Balsillie, the former uh, CEO, co-CEO of Research in Motion, and he said, I don't think we've ever met. I read your recent story with great interest. Uh, he wanted to talk about intellectual property. I thought it was, I thought it was a hoax. I didn't believe it. Um, why would... Jim Balsillie, the most sought-after CEO who had just left his company, and everyone was after the story. Why would he just reach out to me out of the blue? So we met. Um, two days, I, I said, oh, sure, Mr. Balsillie, maybe we could meet sometime. And he said, yeah, I'll be in Ottawa in two days. Uh, that's where I live. And I showed up, and there he was at the Chateau Laurier, uh, Fairmont Hotel with a Navy uniform. He's, a, he's an honorary captain. And we talked for an hour about intellectual property. Most of it went over my head. He didn't want to talk about BlackBerry, but, you know, that started a 10-month uh, conversation back and forth about, you know, patents and trademarks and copyrights and all that kind of interesting stuff um, uh, about intellectual property. And then finally, he was willing to talk about BlackBerry, but at first he wasn't. So it took it took a while, and um, and then that led to, you know, that opened his willingness to participate, opened a few doors, and that led to a big piece we ran in September 2013 uh, how BlackBerry blew it. And it was really the first story that anyone had done that properly explained exactly 
how things had gone south so quickly for this company that had been everywhere and that had really yeah. changed the way the world communicates. It really is an amazing story because when you talk about BlackBerry and those of us old enough to remember, I mean, there was nothing bigger than, than BlackBerry and research in motion. I mean, they sort of were everything in that market when, when all this was happening, right? You know, they, uh, there were a lot of uh, companies that were trying to figure out how to match or how to sort of marry wireless communications and computing, messaging, all that. There were so many efforts in the 1990s. Nobody really built a successful business doing it except for this little company from Waterloo, Ontario. They figured it out. We, we go into great detail about how they did that. It's, it's sort of a combination of the perfect little device, um, you know, a lot of back office uh, stuff, a lot of uh, technology that uh, they made look very simple but was very complicated, and then sort of pulling a few ninja moves, frankly, to uh, convince uh, the uh, the data carriers, the wireless carriers, to let them on these near-empty networks. No one could figure out how to make money off uh, data wireless communications. They did. They established the market. They turned the device into this must-have status symbol that yeah. spread like wildfire, and it created a market that Apple and Google then came into. So so how does that fall apart? Like you say, I mean, they figured out a bunch of things that opened the door to what has become absolutely ubiquitous at this point. You're the front runner. You're in charge. What happened? Well, that was the interesting part of our book. Like we, we figured, we had we had to answer three questions. First of all, how did this little company become this world-changing uh, technology force from Canada? How did it all fall apart? But then also, what happened to the relationship between these two co-CEOs that had been obviously a secret to their success, but they got to the point where they weren't even talking anymore? You know, th- there's a lot of. Um, there are a lot of things that happened. And of course, we go into that in the book. One of them was the paradigm shift. Um, you know, Apple brought along a new device uh, that allowed people to surf the Internet completely and fully for the first time from their palms. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. And Blackberry folks saw that this thought, well, this is silly. Um, first of all, it's going to drain the batteries, which it did. You know, we all need to plug in our phones every few hours now. Blackberry, the original Blackberry ran on a single AA battery for four weeks. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you can imagine, right? Like people today hearing that, I'm sure are like, what? Yeah, no kidding, right? Little, it was very efficient with batteries. Um, it was very efficient with networks. As well, uh, like those messages that BlackBerry sent didn't really require a lot of bandwidth. But when you're surfing the Internet, that's a ton of data. And so, you know, they saw the iPhone. They're like, that's going to clog up the network. They were right. It did. AT&T was actually sued because of all the drop calls from all this data. They didn't like the fact that typing on glass, who's going to want to do that? And I don't know about you, but every day I have to apologize for an embarrassing auto. Oh, for sure. My- for sure. Right. I mean, you didn't get that on the BlackBerry because you have this nice little funky little keyboard that worked. And also the first iPhones weren't as secure as BlackBerry. So the amazing thing was they were right about all that. Um, but, but you know, BlackBerry had delivered a paradigm shift when they came along. They allowed people to send emails on the go uh, wherever they were for the first time. And now Apple was delivering a paradigm shift. And they didn't realize just how powerful that was going to be. 
and they didn't think they needed to worry about it. Um, but there was a few other things too, like the carriers um, were all powerful, and BlackBerry had learned to, you know, survive quite comfortably and not, um, you know, not um, get on the wrong side of these wireless giants, you know, like uh, Telus or Rogers or Verizon. But the carriers, when they saw Apple and then Google coming, they got a little afraid, I guess. And they kind of let them have the run of the place, and they even let them have app stores. Um, they Apple stores were tightly controlled, and they weren't very interesting before Apple and Google came along. And so instead, the, the carriers switched their tune and said, no, no you guys can have a, an app store. And then Google pulled the ultimate move, and they said, well, you know, our 30% cut of app sales we don't need that money here, wireless carriers. Here's some free money. Do you want some free money? Here's bags <laughs> of it. And I tell you, nothing incentivizes a wireless carrier to sell more Android phones than being able to see the, you know, get access to that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So there was that. There was a few other things as well. But BlackBerry just did not make that turn quickly enough. Um, and uh, when they did try to do a touchscreen device, it was a disaster because they tried to do the BlackBerry version of a touchscreen where the screen itself was a button. And so you'd press down on the screen and the entire thing would click down. They thought, <laughs> oh, you know, people will like that because they like Blackberries. Well, they didn't. And also, they had only a few months to do it. The software was buggy. It felt mechanical. It felt like old technology. The first million of these were returned. And that was for Verizon. And Verizon had asked them for an Apple killer. They couldn't deliver an Apple yeah. killer. So Verizon turned to Google and Motorola. That was the Apple killer. But then it ultimately became the BlackBerry killer, too. You know, is there, Sean, a, a cautionary tale here in, in the book that you've written and the movie it turned into for, I mean, tech moves so quickly. I mean, we've got these massive absolute giants that are already, you know, in position uh, and have an opportunity to sort of continue to dominate. If they don't make the same mistakes but i mean it, there's a cautionary tale i mean this could happen at the drop of a hat right well you know and that's been the discussion in the last few months like is google going to be next with chat gpt and um you know I, I don't think we know the answer to that but i think that's that just points to the relevance of our story all these years later and will continue to be the case and i think you know, it's it. Some ways, it's a. It, some ways, it's a horror story, or it's it's terror because what it means is that uh, you know you can be disrupted, and you might not see the disruption coming. And I think the good lesson to be taken from this, if you're running a business, if you're you know if you're running an innovative business, is just because you innovated and you recreated the world, you made it a better place or a more efficient place or whatever, doesn't mean someone isn't going to come along and disrupt you. And I think the other thing is you should never take for granted the four walls around you, the roof over your head, and the um, the floor underneath you yeah. as a company. I mean that allegorically. Like, um, you know, never take for granted what you think is the way things are because those things could change. And it might not be just your competitors doing it. It might be someone you hadn't even anticipated. Like, who knew that photography would be disrupted by math? And that's essentially what happened. You know, who, who would have thought that uh, algorithms would replace uh, cameras? And that's just and that's just an example we all know about. And there's thousands of them, Sean. Everywhere you look. So I think I think it's good and healthy for for business leaders to realize that and and think, well, you know, maybe we aren't so, uh, you know, maybe we don't have such a uh, a perfect competitive position. Maybe we could be disruptive. 
disrupted and we just don't know how or when. But it, it means that everyone needs to be a little bit paranoid, be looking over their shoulders yeah. all the time and never be satisfied and smug about the position that they're in. Especially in that world. It moves so fast. Sean, great story. I appreciate you sharing it with us and I look forward to seeing the movie. Like I say, it looks really good. What's uh, How many thumbs up are we talking about here, Sean? Well, listen... Uh, don't trust me because I'm. Uh, I have a vested interest <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the movie success. But uh, it's it's Rotten Tomatoes gives it 98. I think of the 133 reviewers I saw the other day, 131 liked it. 98 so, on Rotten Tomatoes sold. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's getting great reviews. Everywhere. Good to hear. Excellent stuff. Okay, Sean, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it.